Yeah. Good brother. What's going on, man? What's the word, man? I'm just trying to set the vibe a little bit, man. I'm just trying to set I'm the good, vibe a little bro. bit, man. I'm good. You got followers? People like you? Um, I would like to think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I would like to think so. Yeah. Well, I like you, bro. So we good. Listen, man. We gonna make it happen either way. That that counts. That counts. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm get some people. You know, I'm gonna get the people some time. You know, some time to, to, to check in. And right. um, then we gonna get to it. All right. You know, I like to set the vibe early. You know what I mean? Right. And then and then once the people pile into the room, I do a L intro. You know what I mean? Right. I do an L intro and then we get right to it. You know? Alright. Yeah. Hey, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm, I'm a real cat, man. Like earlier, that shit was all me. Yeah, nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? Man, so, I, I, could, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I didn't know no better till you, know, you said it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. When the joke is wrong, you gotta say you're wrong. You know what I mean? So Yeah. It's alright though, man. No big deal. It's like I said earlier, man, this technology is like like uh cars that run on water. It's available, but it just ain't ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean Yeah, your ladies just hit me. Gotta let her know we on. Cause when she, cause when she get on, she gonna let like five thousand other people know that we on. Who's you that? Know? Who's that? You know, the the female Russell Simmons. Oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You Willie, Willie World famous. I got some people in the Bronx checking in. I, I told them, I told them, I told them make sure they check in, cause. I got people from the Bronx, man. I wanna, I wanna know why they call Co-op City Co-op City, and they don't call it Co-op Universe because it's 9,500 buildings in a ten yeah, block. It's, it's a, it's a little village, Co-op City. I remember we used to ride our bikes. I'm from the South Bronx. We used to ride our bikes up there when they was building it up, just to you know to see what was going on. People were living in there already, yeah. but they wasn't even done with it yet. All right, all right. I wonder if it's still sinking. Is Co-op City still sinking? I don't know, bro. It was sinking at one time. One that of, was that's what they were saying. One of one of my one of my best friends, um, actually had not was from the Bronx. And it's another cat from Texas. You know, real good friends. I never understood why they just called it a city. It's just like, yo, man, it's thirty eight thousand people. That's more than a city that live over there. Yeah, that's a lot that's a lot of people in one spot, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a whole lot of people. But you know what, man? People are starting to pile in. You know what I'm saying? So I'm about to get I'm about to get to this real quick, man. Let me get to this intro. You know what I mean? I don't want to run out of time because we got a lot to talk about. You know, we got All legend. Right. We got legend in the game. You know what I mean? So appreciate it. You know, I like I like setting the vibes, letting people get nice and toasty like it's a club. You know what I mean? Give them time to go get a drink. You know what I mean? Give 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 them time to you know get situated in the couch or whatever it is, however they gonna enjoy the show. You know what I mean? So you 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 one of you one of the the OGs that 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 I've that I've interviewed, man. You you got a you got a long time in the game, man. So I'm, I'm appreciative 
are you even, you know, coming on and considering, you know, being on my platform? You know what I mean? Man, I'm honored to be here, brother. You know, you know what I, mean? I know, I know you ain't doing nothing, sucker. So you know, it's I'm all it's all cool with me. You know what I mean? I'm trying not to, bro. I'm trying not to. Yeah, you know I, I already know, man. You know what I mean? So you know, it's all right. I'm honored to be here. So let me let me let me let me get to this real quick. Let me get to this real quick. You know, I'm gonna get like one more minute, one more minute. See who else gonna come right, in. I'm with you, bro. Cause I know, I know, I know, I know. Musu going, she gonna put the word out, and people gonna start flooding in. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you got people in here already. Uh, Jeffrey Morris said, "Fred is the funniest." Jeffrey goat. Morris. You know what I mean? Shout out to Jeffrey. Yeah. Shout out to Marcel. Shout out to Big Well. You know what I mean? From yeah. you know Kingsbridge. Shout out to 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 Lovey. Shout out to my man Kuba, shout out to the real drift, shout out to Quash, you know what I mean? All the extraordinaire, you know what I mean? Um, so we got we got some people up in here, man. I appreciate everybody coming out, you know what I mean? Peace um, to all family, man. You know, yeah, Kuba, Will in the Will in the building, Kuba. Yo, Will, say what's up to Kuba, man. You know, known these cats for over like thirty years, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I see they changed their names. <laughs> yeah. But um you know what? Let me let me get to this man, because I don't wanna waste no more time. All things short Ned crunch in the building. You know, thank you for checking in as usual, my brother. Um I got something a little different for you. You know what I mean? Um so Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are now tuned in to the TKB Report. And today's guest, I'm your host, K.Dot Langevin. And today's guest is a true, you know, a lot of people, they use the term OG. And they use it loosely. But with this brother right here, this brother has been in the game for close to three decades. This brother has, this brother, and I ain't trying to tell your age, bro, because you don't look like it. You know what I'm saying? You don't look like it. I ain't trying to tell your age. But this brother has been in the game for quite some time. He has made it his business. You know what I mean? I'm going to drop a couple bombs because he's from the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? I'm a hip-hop fan. Flex, you know, you know, Funk Master Flex, famous for the bombs, right? 30 years, 30 years of making people laugh. 30 years of making people forget about all the problems that they're going through. You know what I'm saying? 30 years of making it his business to take you to another place, to take you to another world. You know what I mean? So that you can make it to the next day. You know what I'm saying? He's graced the stage with every comedian that you can imagine. Trust me. I ain't going to tell you. I'm going to let him tell you. You don't last 30 years of this game. You don't last 30 years in this game if you're not built for it. You know what I'm saying? From coast to coast, all around the world, this brother has made it his business to absolutely make sure that you laughing at some point in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome 
comedian extraordinaire. You know what I'm saying? Comedy MC. He's a, he's an MC of comedy, Mr. Freddie Ricks. Mr. Freddie Ricks, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Freddie Ricks, to the TKB Report. Tunes in. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Honored to be here, like I said. Listen, man. Um, I try to do my best with giving you an introduction. Tell the people real quick, you know, who you are, where you from, so we could get right to this. Freddie Ricks from the Bronx. I grew up on uh, 163rd Street. I got shot on Prospect. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I've been in I've been in the comedy. Yeah, like you said, close to three decades. Oh, three decades, you know. And strictly comedy, man. No side hustles or nothing. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish I did have a few side hustles, but I ain't about that life. Well, you know, so. Well, well, listen, listen. You grew up in the Bronx, right? And you grew up in the South Bronx. They wrote they wrote songs about the South Bronx. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, right? Because the Bronx is way different than any other borough. I'm just trying to figure out a cat who came up in that era. How did you find like comedy in in all of that? You know what I mean? Tell us about growing up in the South Bronx. Well, um, in terms of comedy, believe it or not. Uh, I had some older brothers, um, no longer. To this day, the funniest individual I've ever known. And uh, as when I was when I was young, I don't know, probably about 12, 13 years old. Yeah, he was infamous for doing characters like he would just, you know, dialects. He would do them all. And I was I was intrigued by that. And I used to ask him, you know, how you do that? And then I started picking up on how to do characters. The next thing I know, we was in the middle of the projects. I grew up in forest projects. Mm. We'd be in the middle of the projects with a, a little crowd around us, just doing skits, just utilizing dialects, you know? And and I can honestly say that that's been the format that I've chosen. Well, I can't say from day one of my career, but, you know, early on, mm. you know? In the beginning, when I when I first started doing comedy, I thought, you know, the the, the, the whole obvious uh, observations would be the be the, the trick, you know, sex, and you know, then I started thinking like, wow, you know, I had a I had a mother that I would have loved to have come to one of my shows, you know, and the route I was going early on, it, that wouldn't have been possible, so I had to revert back to where I came from. And, and that's how my style developed. So, so when I when I tell jokes and somebody steals a joke of mine, it's usually from a real perspective that I've lived, you know. And so it's a little more offensive to me. You, you know what I mean? So that's that's just the just of um you know my balance. All right. So your first official gig, fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. I had a comedian on here last week. And I asked him about what it was like, you know, I asked him about what it was like being like the CEO of yourself, the CEO, the, the, the agent, the manager, you know, talk about the business of comedy 
once you decided that this is what you wanted to do, you know what I mean? This is what's up, uh, hot Davis. Love you, kid. Like, talk about the business of comedy, how you got to wear so many hats in order for you to kind of be, not kind of be, in order for you to be successful, especially for somebody who's done it for three decades. Well, you know, um, I think it's fair to say that for us, for our people, you know, the path could be a little different, you know? Um, and, and, and here's what I mean by that, right? Um, we, when you're not making a lot of money, right, and you're trying to manage yourself and you're trying to manage your career and you got to deal with this and deal with that, it all that takes away from your art, from your craft. Okay. You see what I'm saying? So in, in, a, in another world, if you understand what I'm saying, um, once you get noticed, you know, you get handled and this, that, and the other. But from from this platform that, that I, I love and embrace, right, and won't sell out, um, it's, it's a little, little different, you know, because quite frankly, you know, let's, let's say, okay, in, in like right now, for example, let's say I took on a manager, right? You can't, you can't, like, if I've been dealing with you for the last 20 years, I don't need you to come and, and deal with that. I just need you to take the information, see if we can do the gig, and keep it moving. Yeah. But for you to start jumping in on what's, what's already established and want to get 10 20%, that doesn't make much sense to me. Unless there's more on top of it. You see what I'm saying? So after you've been doing it for, for a while, you know, you, you need uh, an individual in your life, this is my perspective, who's going to help raise the bar, you know, not just manage what you're doing. You, you follow me? So knowing that, you know, I, I spent a lot of years handling my own business. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. I actually had a manager one time, and we fell out because they wanted to get paid for gigs I was doing for like 10 years. Okay. People I knew personally would call me, you know what I mean? Oh, well, you got this. I want my percentage. Like, I'm not paying you for that. Like, you, you ain't do that work. That's they... my work. Yeah. Yeah, the only reason why they called you is because I told them this is how I want to book my situation. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But you ain't getting no PC off of that. You see? So, you know, that's the kind of thing, you know, it got into. And, and, and I, I felt justified in that because... You know, I'm not I'm not getting no no uh, crazy money and with you being in this position. So, you know, in other words, if that's just a piece coming out of forty thousand dollars, who cares? You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it that that was my perspective then, you know. Um, now, in this day and age, you know, my entire perspective is a little bit different, you know. And that there's, there's certain aspirations I just don't have. You see what I'm saying? Because I understand things about the business that don't add up in my spirit. Okay. If you understand what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. You're rocking and rolling. You decided this is something that you want to do. Um, there are a ton of comedians that we can all name. Are there any, can, do you have any experiences that you could talk about dealing with comedians that are like household names, that are like world renowned? that you kind of started with or they started with you or any type of experiences like that? Well, um, going back to the Uptown Comedy Club, Tracy Morgan and me started on the exact same night. Wow. 
Yeah, so right. we was backstage, you know, and Tracy had on his biscuit hat with the propeller, and he was like, yo, you think I'm going to be funny tonight? Hustle. And I was like, yeah, man. And he went out that joint, and his first night on stage, he ripped that joint down. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's you know, and then Mike Epps, I came up with, with him. Wow. You know, I came up with, you know, I mean, wow, it's a, it's a lot of cats that I, that I literally came up with. And there's others that I just happen to know and meet along the way, you know? Now, how has being a comedian affected your life in terms of travel? I saw I saw an interview that you did. It was a short interview. But I don't know if you was in Jamaica or wherever, but you were sitting down talking to a nice young lady. You were talking about the experiences and the differences between performing in the States and performing overseas. Where has this business of comedy taken you and how has that affected your life? Oh, man. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of crazy because because of comedy, I'm not a vacationer. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I'm not a dude. You know, I'll go somewhere, but I'm not a dude who will sit around and go, I want to go on vacation. Because I've been to a, to a lot of places, and when you understand what you're doing, right, you may be on a plane for 17 hours, but you're only going to work, you know, 40 minutes a day. <laughs> so you got a lot of free time. You, you yeah. follow me? Yeah. So, you know, you get to explore. You get to do a lot of things when you're, when you're actually at work, you know. So that's that's been a, an effect, you know. And, and not even a conscious one. It's just like something that you look back and I go, Damn, you know, I was in all these places and yeah. I ain't even you, – you get what I'm saying? But uh, – um, in terms of going to other other countries, like this is a craft, right? So if you craft yourself to be local, you see what I'm saying, and, and you you design your material, you know, in terms of just you know rocking with your people locally, you're gonna automatically limit yourself, you know. If you stick with one genre of material, you know, if you just strictly sex and this that or the other. You know, you you're going you're going to find yourself in in um some some peculiar position. So you so when I when I go somewhere, you know, I've been blessed with you know just being able to 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 just do what I do mm. and and just alter it for the moment. It's no different for me than than going to a corporate situation or a church or the hood. It don't make a difference. I'm near to. To, to, to bring my craft to fruition, you, you know what I mean? So so I've always tried to write universally, I don't, you know what I mean? So even if I'm talking about the Bronx, I'm gonna say it in a way that you'll understand it if you're in Istanbul, you, you know? So that's that's how I, I've been able to operate. So you talk about writing, right? So I see comedy in the same realm as MCs, right? So now there's a lot of talk about if your pen game not strong and you got somebody writing for you, that takes away from your overall status. Do you, have you ever had a writer for your comedy? And have you ever written for anybody in your comedy? Um, I can't say that I really, like, 
been a part of a writing team to write for any any individual, but I've I've always you know contributed and and helped you know okay. free of charge. You know what I mean? You know, and it's not necessarily a whole joke. It could be a tag or punchline. You know, and I do that. That's just on GP. You know, I'm not a dude who's gonna sit in the club and watch, especially like a younger comedian or veteran. You know, tell a joke that I know could be funnier. And then take it and be funnier with it. Now, yeah. I'm the dude that's gonna run up after you get off stage and be like, "Hey, man, if you do this, you probably get a bigger hit." You know, that's that's just how I'm I'm built. You know, um, I've written for I've, I've been at Spike TV for a couple of years. You know, writing for a show, and um, yeah, I've done some other writing projects. I've written screenplays, stage plays. I used to get called to go out and punch up the uh, the stage plays, you know, like Mama, I Burned the Biscuits by the Sink, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so. So, be, being a comedian, it's different lanes that you can, there's different lanes that you can be relevant in, you know what I mean? You got the headliner. Absolutely. You got the headliner, yeah. you got the, you know, opening act, you got the hosting, right? Tell me some stories about hosting that. Because I just got a feeling that you being a headliner or you being just a comedian is not your only way of making your mark in, in, in comedy. And comedians can host multiple shows. They can host comedy shows. They can host uh, uh, fashion shows. They can host the Oscars. They can host the Emmys. They can host the Grammys. Tell me some hosting, some hosting stories some, uh, about you hosting. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I... It's, all these years, it's hard to just pick one, but I tell you this, um, I fashion my hosting style, uh, like I told you, I came up in the Uptown Comedy Club, and there was a brother there that used to host a show uh, called Monterio Ivy, that was his name, all right, rest in peace, brother, and um, I, I um, was always so intrigued by his simplicity and his style, like he would say the same thing every week and just rip the joint down, you know? So I don't have a tendency to repeat everything he said, but in terms of the style, I can honestly say I fashion my style of hosting behind him, which is simple, right? If you go in on somebody, you know, if they're not laughing, then it's not funny. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So never at some, somebody's expense you know, do you make, you know, like you don't make a person cry to make everybody else laugh. You see what I'm saying? So whenever I, I interact with the audience, and that's my style of hosting, pretty much interacting and setting up the the um, the, the room. But sometimes you can't do that because if you're in a theater, you know, you got a light on you, you, you can barely see the first row. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or it's a little different if you're doing a music concert. If you're doing a music concert, the lights are on, because the room is still getting set up while you're on stage. So then your interaction can be a little bit different. Okay. You see, so every every host position, you know, has its own elements. But the key is, right, the for hosts, your job is to make the audience feel comfortable and bring them into the show. That's it. You get out the way, you bring on the comedians, and you do that for as many comedians as you have to bring on. 
you, you know, and, and you don't come out and try to burn the joint up with jokes. Sometimes mm -hmm. you don't even have to tell jokes when you're hosting. Yeah. You know, if you can set the tone right, you don't have to step on any material for the other comedians. Let them come out and then do all the jokes. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in other words, if it's four, five comedians on the show and uh, three of them got Corona jokes, you see what I'm saying? I don't have to do 10 minutes on Corona. You, you, you follow me? And I'm just yeah. using that hypothetically. Yeah. Yeah. If I do that, it's an injustice to the rest of the show. Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. If Absolutely. I got some real comedians that I'm rocking with, they're going to come out and they're going to touch on this hot topic. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's not fair for me as a host to get into all that. But sometimes the room is not settled. And you got to set the tone for the comedian. Absolutely. So you got to go in the four or five minutes, maybe three or four minutes of one of your jokes, you know, maybe one of your closes just to get the room right. Then you let you let the crew come out. So so coming up in the Bronx, right? The Bronx is the is the is the is the, is the birthplace of hip hop, right? Yeah. At any point, you know, I'm going with this. At any point, did you see yourself getting into you know, the, the elements of hip-hop, you know, MCing, DJing, b-boying, breakdancing, graffiti. Like, was it was comedy, like, always the way that you saw to escape? No, no way. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was a street dude, right? And so I grew up, you know, under some real OGs. So I kind of missed the T-Connection and all that, and I was in the fever you know, at a at a underage age. You know, I was at Disco Fever, the Hilltop in Harlem. I was, you know, um there's another joint that used to be on uh uh we call that street um dang uh Grant L Grant Highway where uh Keith Sweat used to perform, you know. So I was I was in the after hours. So I kinda miss a lot of the the real hip hop era, club club era, you know. But um, I grew up with Love Bug, Starsky, you know, uh, Diamond D. Damn. Uh, Digging in the crib. Yeah. yeah, Love Bug, Love Bug, rest in peace, man. He used to he used to run the court to the third floor in the in the park in the in the projects. He run the court, just just rip off the whole the whole PJs, you know, for hours. You know, DJ Theodore and all of them cats would show up, you know, so um, Fat Joe, I knew Fat Joe since he was a little guy, you know, he came out the same same uh, crate, you know what I mean? So, yeah, man, I'm a little older than Fat Joe, but, yeah, I'm familiar, very familiar with the, with the hip-hop culture and era, and it, and it has a place in my heart, but I was, I was never, like, uh, you know, into the whole, that, that, uh, hip hop party scene, like Kid Capri would be at T Connection, I think, up in the Bronx, up on Gun Hill Road. You familiar? I sure am. Tell you, man, one of my best friends is from the Bronx. So, I got an affinity for the Bronx. You know what I mean? Yeah. Been there a million times. East Two Thirty Third, Boston Road, Kingsbridge, East Two Seventeenth, Grand Concourse. So, very, very familiar with the Bronx. The Bronx is still the realest borough in New York. Let's not get it twisted. That's just my estimation. So, so when I was coming up, you know, like I said, I got older brothers. So when you want to talk about the whole birth of the hip hop culture, yeah, uh, my brother, 
Tim, my, my oldest brother Scott, and my oldest brother Tim. Well, he's called. We called him Ricky, my oldest brother, and um, Tim Timbo Rock. They was they were at the forefront with Cool Herc, you know, at the the heave low, the shaft, and all that. Okay. And okay. And um, no, neither one of us like Phase Two. He's no longer with us. My brother Tim, he's no longer with us. But I grew up in those stories. I was too young to be in the venues. Okay. But I grew up in the stories with how the whole hip to hop dancing started. So what they would do, right? They were they were uh this is I think this is prior probably prior to the whole gang culture or during the, the beginning, because the, the gang culture here and hip hop, you know, um kinda went together, but the the the, the party scenes real crazy. Like the, the whole black and Latino thing, we was always family in the yeah, Bronx, you know. True. There was never there was never uh, racial stuff. It was always about turf and women. You get what I'm saying? It, so it wasn't never like you know no real racial thing. It was always a, a Latino fusion. And so I heard I used to hear the stories about how the whole hip hop dancing started. Um, those particular brothers that I mentioned, my brothers included. They they started dancing, but they was emulating knife fights. You okay. Know, they were emulating fighting with knives and making different moves and things like that. And then they started getting that into the whole dance thing. And um, you know, from what I understand, Cool Herb would be like called. He was the first one to phrase the, to use the term "b boy," well, at least in that area in that region. You know, and and the shaft. You know, I never been in there, but I remember seeing it growing up. That was down on uh, Westchester Avenue and 163rd. True. Yep. So, so yeah, you know, and then they had like places like the Hevalo and all that. Then that uh, evolved into like Disco Fever and you know Club 371. But 371 was more like uh, it wasn't that hip hoppy. It was you know to me anyway. It was a little more a little more easy going. You, okay. you know what I mean? But you walk into the Fever, man. Them beats be hitting you in the head. You know. I was like 14, 15. I thought I was thugging out, man. Coming there, that music be thumping. Your grill automatically changed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so you, you, you are at the forefront, and you are at the root of what has become a global phenomenon, hip hop. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I actually had an opportunity, right, that I blew. Because of the streets, uh, my boy uh, Tim, we call him Tim Dog. He used to play the drums for Nice and Smooth. Damn. He, yeah, he want he he asked me to come down because him and I used to go back and forth on the musical tip. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to be a singer. That was my first aspiration. Okay, and I had a little skills, you know, a little falsetto skills. And he had asked me to come down and drop something, you know, and I was sleeping on it because I thought I was doing something slick on the streets. He asked me to come down and, 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 and do something with Nice and Smooth. You know, this is before they, they started, you know, doing their thing. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that's a real drum line in their music. That's that's a real drummer with Nice okay. and Smooth. That's my man, Tim. I haven't seen him in years. I, I wish him well. I hope he's all okay, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, that was that was probably, that would have probably been an end, you know. And, um, like I said, like singing... Was something I always aspired to do. I was involved with some with a, with a group, and uh, I never forget. I was real young at the time, 
and uh, we went down to uh, RCA Studios at the time in, in Manhattan, and uh, they they wanted to rock with me, and my mom shut it down, and, and I'm glad she did. No, no, I'm glad she did, bro, because, you know, we, we know things now about the industry that, you know, I probably, yeah, <laughs> so, and I was young. I mean, I was, you know, I was real young. Yeah. You know? And I, and I got before some folks, and they was like, ah, you're too young, your voice won't change. So I never got, you know, a part of that, to be a part of that platform. So I guess in a nutshell, to answer the question, entertainment was always something, you know, that I aspired, that, that I, I loved doing, but okay. I never would have thought it would be comedy. So so let's, let's, let's get into that. So be, being a part of all of that, you know what I mean, hip-hop, at its inception, um, you know, you said Cool Herc. Yeah, Cool Herc. You so, know, so you, that, so you around? But I wasn't around all of that, right? I was, I was around it, but I, I wasn't a part a of part it. Of you found me? I was so, watching it. I was, I was young. I was too young, you know. So you transitioned and you kind of like pivoted and said, you know, I'm not gonna be an MC over a beat, but I'm gonna be an MC where I'm gonna perform for a crowd. Um, but instead of like spitting lyrics, I'm gonna tell jokes. Tell me when that became like something that you you honestly thought that you can make you can make it in that field. What was the point where you said, you know, I could be I ain't gonna be no rapper. I'm not gonna be a producer. I'm not gonna be a, a, a b boy. But I'm I could be a comedian. I could tell jokes and I could do this well. Tell me that. Tell me that story. And in my most humble honesty, I never thought. It. Let me let me tell you what happened. You know, I, I always been like a, like I said, I grew up. You know, my brothers was hilarious. Uh, if you can remember, uh, uh, in Living Color when they used to do that whole jail thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. My brothers was doing that years before they did. Okay. And and had us in tears. So this is what I grew up around: snapping and dozens and all that. I grew up around all that. So I, I instantaneously, my my parents were funny. So I always had a, a sense of humor, you know, and I, I never really, you know, thought of it as much. And and um, what happened with me is, like, my homies, right, always, I never said I was funny. My People around me always said I was funny. Okay. You see? So, you know, one, one time we was in a venue and they was having a gong show, and my boy, Anthony Quick, right? That's my man. He, he probably still around. He was signing me up for this gong show. And I got up there and they gonged me. And that's when my comedy career started. And let me tell you how. Cursed the whole audience out. And they laughed. They laughed hysterically. I was tight, you know? <laughs> but that laughter, bro, when I felt that laughter, I was all in. I was like, wow, the energy from. You know, just making somebody laugh and making them feel, even though I made a fool of myself, yeah. you know, I looked beyond that and I was like, this is something, you know, to, to, to hear this laughter just generate throughout the room. And that's when it all started for me. How old were you then? You know? Oh, I was, uh, hmm, man, I don't even know. I was in, it was, it was in my, I was an adult, you know, had kids and everything at the time. I think I was in my mid twenties or something like that. You know, so. All right, so, so you you find you find a silver lining in a effed up situation where most people might have said, you know what, 
first experience, dead horrible. Yeah. I'm going I'm to try and figure something else out. You decide, like, yo, I'm going to dig in deeper, and I'm going to really commit myself to that. So from that, from that uh, situation being gone, um, tell me how you developed telling jokes and how and what the thought process was in making it into a career. Uh, I grew up in Forest, and my oldest brother was married to uh, one of the Brown brothers' uh, cousins, right? And so the, the Brown brothers' cousins lived in Forest. And uh, I don't know how it happened. Uh, you know, it, the whole thing is rather spiritual, if you ask me, right? So I stopped, and I had a talk. I, have, I had a talk. Avery is his name. Man, Avery was speaking. And he was like, yo, you know, my cousins got, they run the Uptown. I hadn't heard about no Uptown Comedy Club. You know, this was after that whole thing had happened. And I had aspirations for comedy, but I had no, I didn't know where to go, you know. And he invited me to go down to the Uptown Comedy Club. And on a Sunday night, and I went down, you know, and just sat there and I was watching the shows. It was Flex, you know, Alexander, uh, Uncle Jimmy Mack, uh, Hamburger, Cool Bubba Ice. You know, there was some 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 um some of the veteran dudes that started before me that were performing there, and I was pretty intrigued. And they had a workshop, right? So they invited me to the workshop. Couldn't feel the workshop, to be all honest. You know, be honest with you, it was like, you know, I, I'm I don't know, man. I'm I'm just like a loner kind of yeah. dude. You know what I mean? Um, so I went to one and I went to another one, but the Brown brothers, you know, I was cool with them. They, they were some cool dudes, you know, and then I considered them like, you know, family, you know, once they find out, found out who I was and, you know, um, you had Andre Brown and Kevin Brown. Andre was the, the dude that I was kind of dealing with. Kevin was kind of, you know, he was, he was bossing it, but he was like on the side, not as much interaction, you know, and um, one day I was walking up the steps Right, and and because it was this the it was the uh, the National Black Theater, and it was this long stairwell, right, and uh, it's actually on the side of the National Black Theater, and and it was this long stairwell, and I was and I was walking up the steps, and a lady was coming down, and she was like, "I'm looking for a comedian," you know. I said, "A comedian?" Now I wasn't. What what makes you professional is is getting paid. When you start collecting money, that makes you professional, you know. Yeah. And um, she said, I need, I need a comedian. So I was like, dang, what do I do? And then I was I was with a young lady, I think, at the time. She was like, take the job, you know? And I said, well, okay, I'm a comedian. Right? Never been, never performed, you know, professionally, right? Yeah. And um, I said, well, how much the job? She said, $50. And I was like, you know, damn, that was some, that was some good money for like, you know, 15 minutes work back then, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'll do it, you know? No, no. as a matter of fact, the the lady, the girl I was with said, he'll do it, he'll do it, right? And she told me where it was. It was actually right next door to where the Red Rooster is right now. And she was she was having a party or something, and I went in there, and I did my first set, man, you know? Uh, I don't think it was nothing to brag about, but I got over, you know? So, you know, the, the thing with, with comedy, man, uh, is, is personality. You, you know what I mean? If you don't have personality, you, you can't possibly get into somebody's 
you know, energy and make them laugh. I just always had that kind of personality, you know, you know, by by the grace of the most high, where I was just that kind of dude, like unpredictable, don't know what I'm gonna say or do. And I went in that joint and I made myself fifty dollars. That was my first professional gig. So you mentioned you mentioned classic, right? And I I actually saw you perform a couple times. And one thing that stood out like, yo, how did the brother from the Bronx growing up, you know what I mean, in that era, find comedy in classic? And I'm thinking that set that you do when you kind of go into that Shakespearean. Right, right. You know what I mean? So tell me about that. So I heard the Jamaican, I heard the, the, the Hispanic, but that Shakespearean classic vibe is out of this world. Tell oh, me, thanks, man. Tell me where that was birthed. Tell me how that all came about. I was I was already uh, doing dialects. You okay. see what I'm saying? So it's just a matter of of bringing in um, you some know. of the some of the authentic stuff. Actually, I was watching Lawrence Fishburne in Othello one day. Okay. And and you know I can't say it inspired the joke, but I just loved that whole flavor so much. You know, I said, well, dang. And then I tell you what, when I started doing it, uh, there's another brother called named Zoo Man Miller, right? He does this whole Shakespeare thing with Shakespeare on fire where uh, uh, Shakespeare catches a venereal disease, right? And I was doing, my, my initial uh, English dialect was Julius the Pimp, right? And and it talked about how the the you know people think black folks are the first ones to start pimping, but you know no. And I go into this whole warrior thing, and then it's like Julius, and then he, this warrior fell asleep, and and the pimp god spoke to him, you know. And then I get on the horse and go all through the audience. So that was my first thing that I started doing with that, and and using that old English dialect. You know, and then I just turned that and it, it evolved into, you know, child support court and, you know, all those other things, you know. Yo, give me, yo, give me 30 seconds of that, man, because. My Lord. <laughs> I know not this wench. <laughs> so, so storytelling. You know, because I want to get into your comment. So storytelling is a big part of people's comedy, right? If there was a comedian that you wanted to pattern yourself after, who would that be? To be honest with you, I don't think I don't think there's anybody I want to pattern myself after outside of my eldest brother who never hit a stage. You know, and I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything. I respect all those greats who did it, you know. Um, but I tell you what, like, I can actually do um, uh, in, in, in imitations. You know, I can imitate people. But I would never do it because I always wanted to develop my own characters. I always wanted my own characters to live because most of the characters that I do are either people that I, I've... Um, come across or characters that I've come across, you know, live with, you know what I mean? Like in, 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 in the South Bronx, like I used, I used to, I used to do this, uh, um, funeral 
right? Where the where, where a drunk Latino dude, you know, he was the pastor and he came out, you know, he became hit the way, you know. And these are characters that I really grew up with. You, you follow me? Like you know, the story about getting shot, you know. I just all I did was I add to to uh to the story a real guy that owned the store, a bodega, that used to really tell me don't steal from the store. And I just put him in, you know, that, that I ran into his store after I got shot. And he was like, I'm calling the police, right? And I'm like, yo, I need an ambulance, Ralphie. No, you needed the police. Because the guy who shoots you, he's outside. He don't feed it. <laughs> <laughs> he don't want that with me. So it's a combination of actual things that 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 take place, actual things that I see, the way things, you know, because a comedian, a real comedian, we don't see things like the average person sees, and at the same time, or, or the way average the average person sees. Here's what I'm saying: God forbid you see a tragedy, somebody get uh, uh, a dude get hit by a car. And he fly up to the light pole, hit the light pole, his shoes come off. You understand? And then, you know, he, he hit the ground, you know, live or not. You know, the point is the accident, right? To the average person, that's tragic. But to the comedic mind, it's the light pole, the shoes coming off. And I'm just using this as an example. I'm not saying, we would, you know, nobody in their right mind would ever mock anything like that. Yeah. But I'm just using it as an example. You, you get what I'm saying? So we see the reaction of the person driving the car, you know. We we see the person getting out the car. He ain't worried about the dead guy. He's in the Bronx. He, he worried about his car. You understand? So our interpretation of of things that we see, it doesn't translate the way the average person might. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But at the same time, there's some brothers and sisters out here in the world, especially in the hood, who are so damn funny that if they ever hit the stage, they would just take it by storm, but they won't hit the stage. What? So, what? so it's a, it's a, it's a thing that really formulates itself, and 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 it's a real, it's a, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know, when you can really craft something and make it into something, and and make somebody laugh from what you see from your perception. Well, well, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. That entire scenario. Uh -huh. Happened to me. I'm a kid. I'm running to the corner store. Nah, man, stop. I'm stop, telling bro. you. I'm telling you. I see the dude driving the deuce in the quarter, and I'm running. I'm like, yo, I can make it across without him hitting. I swear to you. I I go. I can see this dude to this day. He hit me. It wasn't no telephone pole, but I go flying in the air. I don't even remember my sneakers came off, and I land on my ass. And I'm like, damn, you know the first thing I thought about? I'm going to get in trouble if my if my father and my mother find out. I ain't care about none of that. This joker got see, out of the but, car. He was like, shit. Slammed the door. I remember all of that. See? This is a true story. This is and a that's a whole story. joke. Shit, that's like a whole hell. joke. Because that shit, yo, I flipped in the air like three times. You know what I mean? Oh, man. And my father came. He grabbed me, threw me in the truck. He took me to the, he took me to the hospital. We walked in the emergency room. And the lady at the, at the triage, kiosk, whatever, said, damn, what did he do now, Mr. Langevin? Y'all could just go right in. I was such a badass <laughs> that they didn't even need to fill out paperwork. They just said, nah, just take him right in. 
You know what I mean? They knew your they knew your accident prone ass, huh? So I'm like, damn, I'm I'm saying to myself, was he driving the car? Talk about you. Yeah, right now. You was yeah no, man. <laughs> well, you know, I don't I don't ever want to hear nothing like that happening to a kid. I was my vision was a grown man. Not that that's okay. That's a real kids shit. is that's off the me. table. Yeah. But yeah. But, but what I'm saying no, I is get what that's you're saying, a whole though. that's a whole joke. Mm -hmm. That's like a whole joke. The joke in that is you in the air. And just picturing your father whooping your can I can I say ass? Absolutely, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? You flipping in the air and you thinking to yourself, my pops gonna whoop my and that's that's comedy. And Falling like, on top of his hood yeah. and the dude is mad because yeah. your dumb ass ran across yeah. the street. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yo, we locked eyes, we locked eyes and everything. I said, Yo, I can make it. And I'm I could tell he was like, Yo, I hope this dumb ass don't run across the street. I said, Man, listen, bro. I almost stuck the landing, though. I almost stuck the landing. You know what I'm saying? Because I was yeah. big on gymnastics back in the day. But listen, man. <laughs> I, I I just want to say this. 30 years in the game, true OG, right? Um, I, pro I provided this platform for people like yourself and others who are in the creative world to for them to tell their stories about how they got into the game that they in, whether it be comedy, hip-hop, music. You know, we got some authors in the building, photographers. You know what I mean? Shout out to All Hands Life Insurance um, for all your life insurance needs. So, I, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And if you need well, some, let me know. I'm going to highlight you after Absolutely. This. I'm, I want to, I want to, I got something, you know. Let me just, I'm going to go ahead and say it, right? And you mentioned life insurance. For the last probably nine years, man, I've been trying to find an insurance company, right, so that I can get all well, our, good. my comedian comrades a little bit of coverage, you know, because a lot mm. of us, man, you know, a lot of cats out here, there's nothing. You, you follow me? Yeah. So I wanted to try to find some group, you know, situation. Uh, I specifically reached out to our people and... I think it's disgusting how we operate amongst each other. Listen. I didn't get no callbacks. Listen. And then I went to the big boys, and I had to actually say to them, "Can I say? Can I say the B word?" Yeah, yeah. You bastards funded the whole slave trade. You understand? Got rich off our backs, and I'm just saying, I'm coming to you with fifty to a hundred to seventy-five to maybe. 5,000 young black artists, music, DJ, comedy, Listen. who want to have some life insurance. And y'all won't even create a, you, you get my point? Bro, so, I got yeah. you, bro. And, get, and guess what? Guess what? The brother that I'm going to connect you with is from the Bronx. All right. Been one of my best friends from 1992 to now and forever. So after this, I'm a listen, God working right, cool. God working the illest ways. And and dig, you know, I understand that sometimes we're limited in what we can do. Yeah. But at least communicate with your brother, man. Bro, I got That's you. what tears me up, man. I spoke to a sister in Jersey one time. Yeah. Nothing. No call back. No, I'll be like and and it's frustrating, you know. Bro, I got you. And, and I ain't trying to I'm not trying to make no money. I'm just trying to provide a service for my folk. You know, my black and Latino comedians that's, who don't that's come needed. from no silver spoon, you, you know? And it's so, needed. 
You know what I'm saying? It's needed. <clears throat> but listen, like I said, I provide this platform to to give people flowers while they can smell them. You know what I'm saying? To give people yeah. they just do and they respect while they're alive. Because a lot of times we in that game where jokers there make a T-shirt for you and they cry all type of tears for you, but they won't say the stuff that you needed to hear while you was alive. You know what I'm saying? While you were alive. So I'm I wanna be I wanted to put myself in position to say to you that I appreciate the fact that, you know, you've been doing this for as long as you've been doing it. I appreciate the fact, you know what I mean, that you look like me, you know, and you still amongst us. You know what I mean? You didn't sell out. I appreciate the fact that you know, 30 years is a long time. People want to retire after 30 years because they've been doing things that they don't want to do. You kind of charted a different path for yourself, and people could look at you and say, listen, Freddie Rick's been doing this for 30 years. He not broke. He not disgusted. He not homeless. He not any of that. You know what I mean? He made a life for himself. So I want to give you your flowers. I want to give you your respect. I want to give you a just do while you're alive and well and give you an opportunity to tell people your story. You know what I mean? So for that, I'm greatly appreciative, you know what I mean, for you coming on my platform. Um, you know, after this, I want to talk to you about some other things. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for coming out. And you got 30, 45 seconds to give any last, you know, parting words. Well, thanks for having me, man. And, and you know, you said a lot in the, the last uh, portion, but – with me, you know, it's, it's certain. I don't know. I don't know how. I was just bred a little different, you know. I can't sell out. I can't do nigger night. You understand? I don't want to be a part of that, mm -hmm. right? There's a difference in not ever making it to the table and sitting at the table and walking away. Absolutely. Oh wow. That's you see big. what I'm saying? That's big. So, you know, um, I think the most high that I'm. I gotta a spirit in me that there's certain things I just can't do. You, you follow me? Listen, and, man, I appreciate and, it. And, yeah, man. And uh, just and, and it ain't about just uh, not being able to because that has, has never been the issue. You follow me? Yeah. I, I've most definitely been blessed by the Most High with some talent, you know. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm just saying what it is. So uh, you'll never see me going to the... the the basement and come out with a white woman ain't gonna happen. You understand well, what I'm saying? Well, listen, I love bro. my people. I listen, love my bro. people, brother. And your people love you too, man. Right. So, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for coming out. You know what I mean? Big ups to comedian Freddie Ricks. And until next time, I'm signing off. Peace. Peace.